0: Hey, what's up guys? It's Brett. Hope everyone is doing amazing today and getting excited and ready for this episode of BTL. You guys are going to love this one. But before we start that off, I wanted to give everybody a quick plug and info update on a mastermind group that I recently partnered up with. Uh, So I partnered with a few mentors of mine in this group called Revenue, and it's a, a mastermind, mentorship, coach, platform, you name it, Everything that you could possibly want to or need to learn about to scale your business, grow your business, even start up a business. Any ideas as far as uh, marketing, content creation, uh, finances and tax investments, mindset, relationships, connecting with others. That's what this is all about. So you're going to be with this opportunity. You have the ability to connect yourself with some insane high performers Incredible coaches and mentors, where you can simply plug away and ask them anything, and the content is all right there for you. So take a look at the show notes, click on that link, go ahead and invest in yourself and invest in your future. You will not regret it. If you do have any questions, feel free to shoot me an email. Let me know. Other than that, everybody enjoy this episode. It will blow you away, and I look forward to uh, to seeing all of you guys in the Revenue Mastermind Group. Hey, everybody. Welcome to BTL. This is Brett Kelly, your host of the show, and I've got an episode that I am thrilled to bring to everybody. I've got a mentor of my own who I look up to in so many different ways for so many different reasons. I've got Kip Roth with me. Kip currently is in Charlotte, North Carolina. He's a coach with Tom Ferry International Paralympic athlete and I'll I'll call this as you being a guy, Kip, that defies the odds. (laughs) I I was just jotting some things down and I was like, man, this sounds sounds great. This is you for sure. So Kip, thanks so much for being on here, man. Welcome.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much for the opportunity.
0: Oh, of course, man. So how did you end up to to be in the position where you're in right now? It doesn't have to be the full, you know, lengthy version, however, just to give the the listeners an idea of who Kip is, do you mind going into that a bit?
1: Of course. I started out playing lawyer. I did that for about 13 years, 14 years, and found myself uh, a bit disenchanted with it. I wanted something new. I wanted something exciting, something different. And so my wife and I purchased a real estate franchise on the other side of the country and threw everything in our car and I went from Tampa, Florida to Salt Lake City, Utah to, to run a real estate franchise. We bought a Homevestors franchise. where They're the We Buy Ugly Houses people. Oh, yeah. And for the next 10 years, we flipped houses in Utah. And I got a real estate license and rode out 2008 by doing a bunch of short sales and uh, have a tremendous, tremendous amount of experience <laughs> in that realm. And then when my kids got to the age that they started talking about going to school, they, they indicated they wanted to go to school in the Southeast. So we made a decision to relocate. The wife picked Charlotte cause it was her turn to choose the next destination. And here we are in Charlotte. And so I still, I still own the home franchise. I'm still involved in, in selling, buying and selling real estate. But, uh, to the greatest extent, my, my work now is coaching uh, for i have the privilege of coaching as you mentioned for the tom ferry uh outfit and it, it truly is a privilege so that's where i am right now
0: what intrigues you most about coaching
1: i believe that the definition of happiness always includes being involved in something bigger than yourself i receive so much fulfillment through giving and and mentoring and coaching and helping other people. I mean, you know, some of my clients we've had just tremendous success, and of course, you know, Tom Ferry's had unbelievable success in ten xing his clients' businesses, and I've experienced that. And that's just a rush having a client come to a call and and share with me a win related to a strategy that that they deployed based at our based upon our suggestion, and that's uh, it's just tremendously fulfilling.
0: Tell me if I'm wrong, I would imagine you haven't always had that outlook on happiness, right or have have you been this guy forever of like you came out of the womb, like I know what happiness is, guys like this is great. I'm gonna t- <laughs> let me go tell the world so you you probably haven't realized that forever what What did it look like to get you to that place? Uh, did it come with failure? Were were the struggles along the way to learn that? How did you get there, man?
1: Well, I'll tell you how I I, I learned happiness from, from my shape. Um, I look different than you do, obviously. Uh, I was I was born without fingers, elbows, or thumbs, and 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 that shaped who I am today in large measure, and it certainly taught me what what happiness was. And and here's what happiness is: happiness according to Seligman and Acor and and many of the other positive psychologists can be broken down very simply as this, you set a transcendent goal, you break that goal down into its individual constituent elements. And then as you execute those elements and succeed, you get a shot of dopamine. So rigorous, consistent, conscious pursuit of a greater goal through execution of its individual elements leads to a systematic release a planned release of dopamine so here i am a little kid and i went through 20 something surgeries or whatever years of surgeries and braces and casts and whatnot to give me these fingers but getting the fingers was only the first part of the adventure the second part of the adventure was figuring out how to use them sure And from my first conscious thought, I wanted to be 100% completely physically independent. And it's just the strangest thing because Western culture imposes this assumption that persons with disabilities or people who look different like I do, we're, we're miserable. We should be miserable. Who could possibly be happy like that? But if you take the definition of happiness and look at what I went through in my life, you know, specifically every single day I got up to figure out how to do something that my brothers took for granted like getting dressed brushing their teeth taking care of themselves and every day i experienced that success and i was happy that's because amazing because every you know every single day i woke up i could do something that i could not do the day before every day i woke up i had a project i had a goal it was an incredibly important important goal to me you know independence and every day i worked on that and every day i got stronger i Increase my dexterity, increase my cap- capabilities, increase my confidence. And I knocked down the goals one after another, getting dressed, buttoning my shirt, tying my shoes, you know, having 501 Levi 501 button fly jeans. You know, I figured that out when I was about 16, <laughs> right? I, I wanted those jeans, driving a car, riding a bike. And every day I got better at something. And, and that is that, that perception of forward progress toward a noble goal is the definition of
0: happiness. I love it, man. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's the
1: perfect recipe for an optimist.
0: (laughs) I I know for sure. Yeah. You're, you're extremely positive in in so many different ways, man. I I mean, just your outlook on life and your perspective that that you give situations that you've had the ability to overcome, I think is just so impressive that no matter what anybody is, is experiencing, one of my buddies always says his his name's Kane. He listens to, to the show. He always says, "Everybody's got problems, man. Everybody's got problems. It's true, man. Like everybody, everybody has their own shit. Everybody's got their own, you know, quirks or you know, wonky day or a terrible week or month or be- your year is off. Well, boohoo. You know, everybody's got an issue. So how Would do you-, you how do you fixate your mindset to overcome?" what you see as being nearly impossible?
1: Well, first of all, I mean, I understand that my happiness is in that problem. I call it the blessing of a problem. You, You will not generate dopamine and happiness without the perception of forward progress. Uh, that's why, you know, laying on the beach with a peanut claw in your hand is not the recipe for happiness. We're not physiologically, neurologically designed for that type of activity. We're working mammals. Yep. And so anytime I see a problem, an issue, an obstacle, just simply by virtue of my upbringing, my training and experience with this, I, I recognize it as a blessing in that problem, not only is the answer, but it's going to feel great when I get it.
0: That's good. so you're 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 constantly seeking that that sense of achievement, that dopamine shot that you've experienced from having those those wins and victories.
1: Yes, and that's and that's that's the human condition. We're continuously comparing the idealized future to the to the unbearable present and trying to make that transition. Well, you don't get to do that over millions and millions of years unless there's a a biological system to foster that type of behavior. And then that's what our dopamine system is. It's to encourage approaching the unknown and wrestling with it until you figure it out. That's happiness. And it's not a guess. They've seen it through functional magnetic resonance imaging technology. They've seen the neurons fire. That's what causes it. So I'm just incredibly blessed. I mean, the, the, the default, Assumption when people look at me is I you know, I live a a, a life of that's a nonstop parade of insurmountable physical obstacles. And they, you know, I solved the physical part and achieved my complete independence by 15 or so, but that process taught me so much about happiness. And so since then it's just been a nonstop adventure of looking for bigger and better, funner things to do to get that hit.
0: <laughs> that's so good man that's so good. Is there is there a particular conversation that stands out in your mind that maybe maybe not recently but you can just in this question you just think directly to this but a particular conversation that stands out that has caused you to flip the switch on your outlook to what you you have right now and that and that viewpoint of the world and challenges and how to overcome things.
1: Yes. It was uh, it's a conversation with a, a mentor and a friend I had decades ago. And it was at one of the lower points in my life. You know, this there are easier lives than this, you know, it wasn't all <laughs> it wasn't all giggles. I had a lot of stuff to figure out. Yeah, but at one point during that time, i uh, a conversation. Yeah, it was a woman in an elevator. Really? Yeah, I, I'm gonna yeah I'm gonna change gears here. It wasn't, it, I'm gonna go to a different conversation. I can't believe it. you said conversation, <laughs> so I went there. But I had a woman in an elevator one time. Uh, here, here's here's what happened. I, I I was 21. I couldn't get a job, and I was incredibly lonely. Was unemployed and I was, I was, uh, I had mastered the physical aspect of this, but I had not mastered the mental part. And, you know, when I was 16 and I went away, well, 18, went away to college, and I honestly believe that I had it made because once people could see that I was 100% physically capable, you know, this wouldn't matter anymore. Well, that simply wasn't the case. And I don't need to go through the details of it um, other than to say Western culture places an appalling strain on people who look different. Sure. Uh, Just the daily parade of indignities and whatnot. You know, golf, I went golfing this last week and I had two different people come up to me and said, Whoa, (laughs) what happened to you? You know, one of them said, you know, this is just an example that it goes on continuously. One of them actually said, uh, you know, looking at you, 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 It would be completely understandable if you just cursed life. But apparently you didn't. And I'm glad to see you out here having fun. (laughs) You know, three times a year, three times a year, I, I, you know, mention this frequently, but three times a year, a complete stranger approaches and says that if they look like me, they'd kill themselves. And yeah. And when I was 18 to 21 years old, I could not yet handle that. All right. And the only job I could get was as a bicycle messenger because nobody would hire me. Many, many, many employers told me I can't hire somebody who looks like you. Restaurants would tell me I can't have anybody looking like you around food. I couldn't get it. I couldn't get a job. So I got a bicycle messenger, a job as a bicycle messenger because it was a blind hire. I actually never met anybody who owned the company. Everything was done through a, a locking mailbox, application, paychecks, receipts, uniforms, everything. So I was a bicycle messenger and uh, I had a delivery and I went into this building, got on the elevator, pushed my button and put my back to the back of the car. And I was digging through my receipt book and my, my delivery bag to get to get the, the envelope I was delivering. And this little hand came through the elevator doors just as they were closing and a woman got on. And she pushed her button and stepped to the side. So she was perpendicular to me and she was staring at me, which was nothing new. But I looked up and she's smiling and staring at me and I look away and I could feel she was still staring at me. So I looked up again. She was still smiling. She never broke eye contact with me. And she said seven words that just flat out saved my life. She said, I bet you lead an interesting life.
0: Interesting. And now reflecting back on that, what, what what does that mean to you today?
1: Well, what she taught me was that you define the circumstances of your life. Mm -hmm. You don't define your reality. I'm not going to change what I look like. You don't, define your height your shoe size these are things you don't decide your circumstances around you the behavior of other people whether we have coronavirus tomorrow or not we don't we don't decide that but we do define we do decide we do control exactly what it means to us and at 21 years old i was defining my circumstances as painful. uh i guess it was i i wasn't consciously aware I was doing it but when somebody made fun of me or refused to give me a job or I couldn't get a date or the staring the mocking the laughing whatnot I defined it as painful and as a result of that pain is what I got it was all pain 24 7 and uh, then I got on that elevator and she said I bet you lead an interesting life and in that instant in that very instant I realized in the next 20 30 seconds I realized that I didn't have to define my circumstances as painful. I could define them as interesting. And if you look at the two different words, pain implicates emotion and agony. Right. Uh, The word interesting is emotionally neutral. It implicates curiosity. And so in that very instant, I decided I'm going to define what happens to me, not as painful, but as interesting. And I'll tell you how effective it was. I, I actually thought that, that I was crazy because all the pain left instantaneously. And, you know, I went out, I staggered out to my bike and cried for the next 25 minutes at the, the catharsis, the, the, the release of all that pent up pain. And uh, I remember, I'll never forget it. I was riding my bike through the streets for the next couple of months playing with this concept. And I thought that I was—it was, it was a, a reactive, defensive distortion of reality. I thought I was playing in an area that I didn't belong. I didn't understand it, but I, I vowed to myself that I was going to use that tool the rest of my life. I didn't even tell my wife about it until we were married for ten years.
0: No kidding, really? Yeah, because
1: I was—I was just convinced when 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 somebody said something nasty or I was denied a job or whatever and I just went okay that's interesting I thought that that was such an unnatural reaction I was doing something wrong but you know that little secret saved my life then then I'm 40 years old and I go to Tony Robbins unleash the power within and he said he said it from stage it's called cognitive reframing
0: Yep.
1: it's called linguistic relativity you control your reaction. You control, you know, how you perceive things. And I just burst into tears again at Tony Robbins. I realized, man, I'm not crazy after all.
0: <laughs> man, that's so great. That's so great. So you I mean, it, the beliefs that you had around this from others, your your beliefs turned into your thoughts, and your thoughts became your feelings, and your feelings then became your actions, which showed you results, and then it went back to beliefs, and then you just continued that cycle until you had that one. Kink in the hose of recognizing that you lead an interesting you lead an interesting life, and that changed everything for you
1: yes, it did and and from a uh, from a neurological perspective, not to go too far afield, you've got two primary channels that you receive input from through in your brain. One is threat and avoidance mm-hmm. and the other is promise and approach. And what that woman did in that elevator was she changed my channel. She clicked, changed my channel. Everything that came in to my sensory perception up to that moment, I defined as painful. So I treated it as a threat and avoided it. Um, She changed my channel to interesting. And I literally changed the channel in my brain from promise. Now what came in, it was promising to me. And so I would approach it through curiosity and the emotion was gone. It was completely gone. And and, uh, it was the single most powerful interaction I had in my life. Like I said, it saved my life. I was going nowhere good before I got on that elevator. And then when I got off the elevator, it just. (laughs)
0: That's so good. That's so good. I love that, man. So there's. I, I certainly don't want want us in the conversation to ignore what what we have going on around the world, not just you know politically. However, you know internally and and what what the general you know public and population is is facing in in so many different ways. Whether it's you know with adversity and politics, or if it's health related with COVID, anything like that. If you were to, to share a message with, with everyone that's in the world, everyone's listening to Kip for you know two minutes, five minutes, who the hell cares what it is. But if they were struggling to flip to that channel to overcome some adversity or alter their perception on what is going on around them, what would you advise? What would your recommendation be?
1: Stop defining your circumstances in disempowering ways. Start defining your circumstances in ways that empower you. It's very, very simple. You know, I've got, I've had so many people come up to me and and look at me and say, oh my gosh, that sucks. It's unfortunate. It's horrible. It's this, it's that. It's, it's a tragedy. Well, that's my situation to them. Yeah. Not to me.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Okay. It's interesting to me. All right. It, It, uh, but that, that same linguistic relativity, just being very, very careful about how you define your circumstances, the words you use when you talk to yourself, it literally controls your reality. So Everything we're facing today, every challenge we're facing in our lives, every difficulty we're facing as a society, it's an opportunity to grow. It's an opportunity to learn. There's nothing but opportunity out there. You know, from the real estate perspective, somebody wins in every single market. Mm -hmm. Somebody always wins. Somebody wins in every market. And the person who wins in a given circumstance is the one who defines it in a way that empowers them to take action. And you can't do that when you're swimming in self pity. You can't do that when you're when you're awash with fear. So stop defining your circumstances as as bad or unfortunate or tragic, regardless of what they are.
0: Yeah have you Have you read the uh, the book, The Four Agreements? <laughs> it, it makes me think of if you have read it. It makes it, or anybody who's listening. It makes me think of. Uh, one of those those laws in there the agreements of be impeccable with your word and it's it's similar to what you're saying rather than hiding in your fear and and how you're expressing a lot of your fears whether they're fears or not but how you're expressing those those emotions and those thoughts and the reflections that you have and you're putting those out into into whatever you want to look at however you're putting those out into the world whether that's hiding behind your typewriter or typewriter, your keyboard and you're on the Facebook and you're putting all this random stuff out there, whatever it is, being impeccable with your word is something, it seems that you've become very, very dialed into, man.
1: Well, I tell you what, it's, you know, again, it saved my life. Yeah. Um, you, I had built myself a, a wonderful, wonderful prison of just pure hell simply by telling myself that's where I lived. You know it. It was a, It was incredibly self defeating behavior, to define my circumstances in ways that just utterly wrecked me.
0: How do you define yourself now, man? I mean, you're you're happy. You're joy jovial. You're you're constantly you. I mean, Paralympics, like, dude, who? How many people get to say that? You probably actually know the the actual number. Honestly. I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I mean, how? You, you've achieved such great things and such greatness in your life. I, I think it's so impressive. Thank you. What, what you've you've been able to to accomplish and and you know show to others that hey man you're like I can do it, you can do it, anybody can. Let me help you get there. And that's where your coaching is so so empowering. I think that's great.
1: You know, back to your question about what i would say to people i mean look at what's going on in you know race relations today Mm -hmm. i was a civil rights lawyer for a long long time and did significant class action work on behalf of all protected classifications rage excuse me race gender disability and just look at the language people use around discrimination and whatnot yeah um it's incredibly disempowering you've got some people arguing actually advocating for their limitations they're arguing that i've got it worse than anybody else i've got this it's terrible it's bad it's it's they're defining their reality as that well i've been discriminated against countless times and i define it as information okay you choose what it is it can be the thing that wrecks you that sits you on the couch the rest of your life you know giving up quitting whatever you know you you can argue for your limitations all day long you're gonna win okay i don't define discrimination as bad i define it as neutral even though i know what it is i've experienced it i define it as information okay that's a person telling me that they're so cognitively limited so ignorant so backward that they don't want to deal with me and i'm grateful for the opportunity that they've saved me by by saving me all that time right? because I don't have to be involved with them. Now, discrimination is, you know, can be horrifically debilitating to entire classes of people economically, socially, politically. I'm not downplaying it at all, but at the end of the day, if you're being discriminated against, you have a choice. You can define it in a way that gets you in action. You can define it in a way that, like I said, puts you on the couch for the rest of your life. I'm choosing a way that it defines, you know, that helps me get into action. So I choose to treat it as information and next, let's go. Let's find something else to do with somebody else. Cause this person isn't, we're not connecting.
0: Yeah. Just uh, you're, you're a lot like me. And it's always just constantly improving and becoming a better version of yourself than what you were the day before or that morning or an hour ago, whatever it may be. How? You you seem to be a guy that's got very high standards, man. Like how how do you set standards for your how you operate, how you live, the people that you surround yourself with, and get into business with, or how you who you coach even. I mean, how do you put standards around anything like this?
1: Well, for me, it's all about having a very clear goal. So you've you've brought up the Paralympics a couple of, a couple of times. You know, I I. My first goal was to make the team. All right. So I laid out the steps I had to do to make the team. And they said, you know, you've got to be this good. You've got to win, you know, sectionals, regionals, whatever, to to make it the nationals. Then you've got to come in the top three at nationals to be named to the team. And 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 so on and so forth. So I, I set the goal and then I reverse engineered, just like anybody does with any goal. You figure out what the steps are. Right. The goal goal setting is simple. You figure out what the price is you either pay the price or you don't so standards are simple when you choose your why what it is you absolutely positively have to have and will not will not rest until you gain it and then figure out what it's going to take to get you there and behave accordingly yeah. so it's not it's not difficult it's just that uh people tend to try to bargain with the price is the problem you can't bargain with
0: the price you gotta All right. Pay to play.
1: You you know, you can't get, you can't succeed at anything by trying to find the shortcut. It, the steps are simple. It's just too many people try to try to get a discount on that price.
0: Yeah. It's pretty difficult. I would imagine to to, you know, if your goal is doing a double backflip, like, well, I'll just go straight to it. Forget the single backflip. I'm just, let me just go to, I mean, you get, you got to get there, right? You got to pay
1: to play. You know, in real estate, it's unfortunate. It's a bit of a broken industry. The failure rate's horrific.
0: Oh my gosh, at 80% getting out of the business in 24 months or so? Yeah, it's, it's
1: absolutely, it's cataclysmic. Like I said, it's a bit of a broken business, but a lot of people get into it thinking this is going to be easy, all right? And they won't pay that price, Right. okay? You can't bargain with it. You're not gonna get it cheaper than the next guy. There is no magic bullet.
0: I want to ask you, I, I've heard you you talk about this before, Kip, of your view or or how you define uh, disability. I, I think it's very interesting. I mean, you're you you have such a great memory. you can actually read that this like verbatim of what it actually and truly does mean. however, your your take on it, to utilize this, not just to know about it, but how you utilize this to your advantage, I think is something that's really impressive. So, so share a little bit what how do you define disability?
1: I I don't it doesn't exist. I, I think it's absolutely nonsensical. It's a vestige of of some pretty prehistoric thought. It's, it's so good, uh,
0: man. It's you just say it's so blunt. I'm like, all right, cool. Next question. <laughs> like, it's so good, man. It's well, so no, good. here's
1: here's the deal. I it, let's call it ability, first of all.
0: Yes, okay. I love it.
1: But but all ability is on a continuum, from the super athlete, the super, you know, the super intelligent, the absolutely stellar specimen, to somebody at the other end of the spectrum. Who has very few abilities. Okay, if we started thinking about it in those terms and quit cutting people off at a point on that spectrum and said, you're all disabled, I think right now, the number of people on Social Security disability insurance, if you aggregated them, they would be the eighth largest state. Ooh, wow. Okay, that's because we're telling them, you're worthless, you're useless. Yep. You can't, you can't, you can't over and over and over again what what do you think that what are we doing what if we change the definition what if we stop doing that and said everybody can do something somewhere along this continuum okay uh i I just disability is if you look it up in in the thesaurus the list of synonyms is just a horror show it's absolutely embarrassing that the most advanced culture the world has ever known takes a significant portion of its population and defines them as useless or subhuman because you know they don't have pinkies or whatever it is they're missing, yeah. right? You know, the idea that Stephen Hawking was disabled might be the, called disabled, might be one of the single most offensive things I've ever heard in my life. Um, I, I just think we need to rethink it.
0: That's, that's amazing. Uh, I love hearing you you explain that. It's just there's no such thing, you know. There, there's no such thing as as disability. It's ability.
1: You know, I've I've had people with very limited capabilities look at me and call me crippled or disabled, based nothing upon my based upon nothing but my appearance. You know, who's disabled? That's, that's motivated ignorance. I mean, that's more of a disability or a limitation than than, than my physical difference, right?
0: Tell, tell me some advice that, that you've received, Kip, that you refused to adhere to or some advice that you refused to take.
1: Oh. <laughs> my wife says I have dysfunctional perseverance. <laughs> so when I was practicing law for example i kept changing desks thinking i would find happiness oh i'll try this job over here oh y'all you know, go to that firm over there okay i'll open my own law firm and i did all these different things searching for happiness when in fact my wife just kind of sat there looking at me and hmm i don't think your address is the issue here I just don't think you like lawyering Uh, So I waited a little bit long to get out of that. And then uh, I I just, uh, that was some advice I didn't take. I didn't buy rentals early enough. Excuse me. Um, You know, my father's advice. I didn't work very hard in school, in high school until my senior year, which got me into a good school. Same thing in college. I was skiing my buns off and, you know, (laughs) screwing around and, you know, I didn't knuckle down until late and I got into law school. So yeah, there's lots of, lots of things in my life that I could have done better. No doubt about that.
0: So I, I think it's interesting, you know, the, the advice in talking about, you know, switching desks, moving around different address and this, that, and the other. And, I know we're we're going to talk a little bit about something that we'll put into the the BTL toolbox, which you've got the J curve. Yeah. So I think this probably is a, a really good time for, I'm, I'm excited to learn about this from you, man, is the J curve. And I think it's a good segue point right here. So, so how do you utilize the J curve? What is this document? What, how do how does this tool help to you in your endeavors?
1: The greatest source of disappointment to human beings is disappointed expectation. Things didn't work out the way I planned. Well, you know what? You had a crappy plan. <laughs> right? <laughs> things true. didn't That'll things didn't things didn't go like I hoped. Well, you know, maybe your hopes weren't realistic. So the J curve has helped me keep that in perspective. It certainly helps my clients keep that in perspective and just think of a capital letter J and you're starting out on the low end in trying to learn a new skill, engaged in a new endeavor, start a new business, go into a new field. And you have these unrealistic expectations of immediate success and an easy path and and a bumpless road ahead. And then you encounter the inevitable adversity. Mm. Well, most folks quit. And they quit because they've got disappointed expectations things aren't going as they planned it's not working out like they hoped but what would happen if they went into the endeavor whatever the activity was understanding that they're gonna suck (laughs) right up front okay they're gonna fall okay you know the first time i tried playing tennis you know it was not pretty same thing with golf what if i had known going into that that well yeah there's going to be a three six nine month or three six nine year period when i'm going to suck well then my expectations wouldn't be disappointed my hopes wouldn't be dashed i'd be mentally prepared for the adversity for the embarrassment okay but on the other side of that j it starts going back up as do your skills Your abilities, your capacity, your capabilities. Okay. And that's where it gets fun. The problem is, most people don't survive that trough of despair that we call it. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, it's disappointed expectations. So, for example, anytime I go into public where I know there's going to be a large crowd, I'll just stop, I'll take a deep breath, and I'll tell myself, okay, there's a bunch of people in there are going to freak out over my arms. Okay. They're going to stare, they're going to laugh, they're going to point. Some of them probably make a comment let's be ready for it. Yeah. Okay. Deep breath, smile on my face. It's going to be interesting. Let's go learn. Okay. So I'll go into the setting with realistic expectations of what's going to happen. And if none of those things happen, man, I'm happy as a clam, right? (laughs) That's true, man. Yeah. But if they do happen, if they do happen, I expected it. So I'm not disappointed. Does that make sense?
0: That's, that's, I love it, man. And, it's it's very simple and you know i I remember uh seeing john maxwell speak uh i don't know how many years ago maybe three years ago or something like that and i remember so vividly in my in my in my vision i like seeing him right now as i'm saying this and he's saying everything worthwhile in life is uphill and as as you're talking about the j-curve i'm just thinking like john maxwell told me this I know I know I've heard this this is so familiar but it it makes sense utilizing that and and setting your own expectations before you're going into something that hey this is going to suck <laughs> like this this is going to suck and I'm going to embrace the suck and the struggle and and just keep going.
1: Yeah, I believe it's the Army Rangers. They've got a saying, embrace the suck. Yeah. Okay, true better advice was never given, okay? Because it's going to see here's here's what a lot of people don't learn. We learn We learn in pain, everything new, everything novel, everything different is perceived by us initially, and it triggers our amygdala, it triggers fear, okay? Every time we do something new that we've never done before, we're operating out of fear, out of pain. You need to expect that going in, understand what the pain is, and use it to your advantage. Again, I call it the blessing of a problem, okay? if you're expecting everything to be rosy simple easy and fun or if you're actually if you're actually encountering nothing but rosy simple easy and fun you're not doing anything new everything new you do is going to hurt okay but if you stick with it you'll come along the j curve and come out of it
0: that's good man where what do you think your life would be like today if you if you didn't have the the learning and Education and the growth mindset that you've got.
1: Man, I am so lucky. Brett, you had no idea how I was born in 1964. What would my life be like? Well, you know, three two times that I can think of, they tried to institutionalize me. You know, when I was born, the standard operating procedure for somebody who looked like me was cut his arms off at his at his shoulders, give him a brand new shiny set of of wooden arms with metal hooks and put me in an institution and a lot of people with my exact ailment suffered that fate you know and then when i went to school the first day at school my mom dropped me off and she got home the phone's ringing off the hook and it was the principal and she he said come get your kid so she went back and you know He met her with me on the front steps of the school and said, kids who look like this, don't go to school here. I, or for example, take them to the institution down the street for people who look like that for, for invalids. Um, What would my life be if I didn't have a growth mindset or optimism? I honestly can't imagine how bad it would be.
0: I'm glad that you you do have all of these attributes, man, because you're 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 such a uh, an incredible influencer that aspires to have an impact on other people. So I I, I I think I think it's 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 powerful that you can reflect on things like that. I mean, what are some of the questions that you reflect on at the at the beginning of your day, at the end of your day, at the end of a quarter, end of a year, goal planning questions, what are some things that you run through your head as Kip? Like, Kip, let me ask myself these questions.
1: Well, I have one question written on my bathroom mirror and and it's what would happen, all right? And the question, what would happen? So every morning when I'm brushing my teeth, I'm getting ready. I, I want to be thinking what would happen if you, you exceeded your expectations by 10% today? What would happen if you raised your standard in this area of your life? What would happen if you embraced what is going to be a difficult meeting? What would happen if you, if you whatever it was I don't want to do in a given day, if I ran toward it with a good attitude, what would happen? is my favorite question because it goes back to that my life is interesting part. You know, what would happen? It opens up my curiosity. It opens up my creativity. It helps me. It gets me in the J curve. It helps me prepare for my day. But you know, my morning routine is get up and you know, meds. uh, Some meds is meditation. I don't meditate a journal. Yeah. Um, Meds exercise. The E D is diet S sleep. You know, I go to bed same time every night, get up same time every morning, do the same things up to the start of my day, and then prioritize my day with the most important things first. Eat that frog. You yep. Know. Yep. I'm this guy right here for a reason. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> that's I like it. Good death tournament.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm gonna attack him, but I hope that answered your question.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. I was going to ask you what your what your routines looked like if you were fairly regimented. I mean, what time do you typically see yourself waking up in the morning? 5. Yeah. I I think it's so interesting when I speak with with similar to yourself many high high performers and high level of achievers and leaders there's a a very strong consistency on the time that the switch is flipped at night and the time when the when the switch is flipped in the morning and it's the same you don't change it you might have a later night one time or another but and that's okay maybe that's when you do have your pina colada on the beach i don't know but but other than that i mean it's it's just so consistent so what do you see as being one of the benefits or some of the benefits around consistency with your habits to to lead you in the direction that you want to go
1: scheduling is in- incredibly important neurologically physiologically it's who we are as mammals you know for example the one of the primary treatment protocols for schizophrenia is to get them on a schedule right um, we need a rock and that rock is your schedule it provides it fulfills everybody's shared need for certainty and consistency predictability in their lives it uh, but you know one of the things that Always strikes me when I start working with a new client. One of the first questions I ask is, "What time do you get up in the morning?"
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and generally speaking, just like you found in your career, apparently that the, the folks who are consistent on an early morning schedule, in almost invariably, are significantly farther ahead in their business lives than people who are inconsistent or late risers. And it's not difficult to figure out why that is. If you get up at five as opposed to seven, that's ten hours a week. That's five hundred. 20 hours a year, you know, your average working month is 200. You got a two and a half month head start on your competition. Um, And, and, you know, I once, I once was counseling a a friend of mine who was overweight and she didn't like the way she looked. Hmm. And I said to her, you're trading your life for that Big Mac, mm, trading yeah. your dreams for a Big Mac. Well, you know, people who are bashing that snooze button are trading their, their dreams for an extra 10 minutes of pillow time, it's idiotic.
0: Yeah.
1: It's insane. It really it is, is. Insane. It's, you know, it goes back to the whole goal discussion. If you really, really want something, you need to find you need to find a why that grabs you by the lapels of your pajamas and yanks you out of bed. Yep. You can't find the why that yanks you out of bed. You better build a monster big enough to stuff up under that bed to chase you out of bed to you know, scare you to, to what you will your life will be like if you don't get out of bed. I mean, a fully integrated individual has both, uh, you know, a fear and a, a positive reason to get out of bed. But you just need to start your day consistently at an early hour if uh, you ever want to achieve your goals.
0: Yeah, I I think it's I I heard recently, and I've said it pretty pretty regularly as of late that it if you've got goals and you want to talk about them, you got your vision board beautiful, it's great. Are you interested in having these things, and are you interested in these particular goals, or are you committed to having these things and living this life and having whatever it is you aspire to have. Are you committed or are you just interested? And it resonates with me so much because like you, I mean, it's waking up early. Are you willing to do what it takes to achieve X, Y, and Z?
1: You have to pay the price. You can't bargain. And on so many coaching calls, I want to sell a hundred houses a year pick up the phone i won't do that <laughs> you <know>? yeah right
0: <laughs> yeah i know i've so, tried everything okay list them what yeah. <laughs> so you, you're you're interested see
1: the difference between interested and committed i learned this from tom ferry if, if you're interested you'll do what's convenient if you're committed yeah. whatever it takes mm-hmm. and that's we we cross that bridge early in my coaching relationship with folks uh see excuses are excuses are nonsense. You either want it it or you don't. Yeah. Yeah. You either want it or you don't or you don't and everything else is noise. You're going to pay that price if you want it bad enough. And a lot of people have difficulty because they won't figure it out, figure out what it is they really, truly, truly want Mm -hmm. in this life. And once they figure that out, most of them become unstoppable really darn quick.
0: That's, that's so good, man. You're, you're spot on with it. How, how do you lead other leaders? Example. Tell me more about
1: that. Well, you can't ask people to do what you're not willing to do yourself.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And, and you lead by example. If you're going to hold people to a standard for integrity, for punctuality, any standard that you're going to hold other people to, you have to exhibit every single day. It's not optional. They have to. They have to look to you as somebody who's been there, done that, or is there doing that? Or they're not. Why would they do it?
0: Yeah, man. Okay, so because simple.
1: is <laughs> there in fear that you're going to punish them? Well, right. that's not leadership. That's not a leader. At least it's not to me.
0: I'm with you, man. I'm with you, and that's that's kind of like the balance between in a, in a leader like care versus candor and and how to how to have that type of balance of the accountability and the guidance as being an example behind it but also having that in place because you really do care you are you are a leader you are the example and you care that you're helping them get to where they want to be
1: i've got a mentor a gentleman by the name of Bill Pipes who said something to me that i'll never forget he said he said you can't coach to what you've learned. You coach to what you live.
0: Mm, man.
1: And it's saying this it's saying the same thing. And you know, he's a he's a powerhouse. He's one of the most significant influence coaches on the face of the earth. He's just he's just a tremendous tremendous leader. And he he, he lives what he teaches. You know, he and Tom Ferry, I don't know two other people on this earth who work harder than those guys do. And when he says, do it, you know, he's done it. <laughs> and, and, you know, because he lives it. He just, it's just this energy that comes off of him. And I, you know, I aspire to that.
0: Man, you've given me so much energy from, from the conversation. I'm I'm so grateful to, to have you on here, Kip. I'll say it <laughs> a million more times, I'm sure. So for, for everybody listening, this is Kip Roth and Kip is going to be placing into the toolbox, it's called the J curve. And as the listeners know, and Kip, you know here as well. In order for everybody to have access to the J curve in the toolbox, they've got to make a charitable contribution. So, what is the the nonprofit or charity that you have in mind?
1: American Cancer Society.
0: Man, that's. does that does that have some significance to you in any way? My,
1: my father passed from cancer.
0: And uh, I'm not a fan of cancer. Let's get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, that stuff sucks. Yeah. Let's get rid of it. Well, we're, we're definitely going to do all that we can to, to help you in the journey of, of fighting and getting rid of, of cancer, man. So thank you for, for saying yes, being on here. You're incredible. I'm excited to continue to learn more from you. And everybody else now has the ability to hear your voice and learn from you too, man. So thank you so much, Kip, for being on here.
1: My pleasure. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Thank you. Hey,
0: everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the BTL Podcast. That's the Born to Lead podcast. Please be sure to stay up to speed with all of our episodes that we're going to be launching by subscribing to us on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts. And if you're looking for more information about what we're doing, check us out on Facebook, Born to Lead Podcast. And you can also find us on Instagram there, too. And when you're ready to elevate yourself and your mindset, learn more from all of the folks that we've got on the show about their knowledge, attitude, skills, and their habits be sure to stay tuned on Facebook. That's how you're going to learn more about where to access and how to access our BTL toolbox where you'll have all of the content that we were mentioning before. So stay tuned, everybody, and thanks for listening. See you next time.